So the annual meeting message, today uh, we're going to call it Better. All right? Simple title, Better. Faith presented brings you to a place of decision. Faith presented brings you to the proverbial fork in the road. You must choose. Some choose Christianity, as many of you have, but that's not the end of the process. That's not the end of the journey, is it? I've said before that, that, that faith, Christianity, isn't a destination. It's a doorway. In John 6, we get a behind-the-scenes glimpse of the ministry of Jesus. Now, at this point in the story, the ministry has been gaining momentum Uh, But at this point in time, adversity hits, and the cost of serving goes up. Another crossroad, and and people are forced to decide again. And the question becomes, is it worth it to serve Jesus? So you can turn to John chapter 6, and beginning in verse 66, it says, From that time on, many of his disciples went back and walked with him no more. The Bible mentions uh, differing size groups of disciples. There's multitudes at some point. In other points, there's the 70. And and here we're kind of led to believe it's the 70. From that time on, many of his disciples went back and walked with him no more. And Jesus turned to the 12. And he said, will you also go away? Simon Peter, so often the spokesman for the group. Simon Peter answered him and said, Lord, to whom shall we go? For you have the words of eternal life. There's a moment of decision, but inevitably you come to another crossroad that determines if you're the real deal or if you're just for show. Let's take a look this morning at where we are as a church. When I was asked to be your pastor, when I was asked to candidate as your pastor some nine years ago now, uh, during one of the question and answer sessions, I was asked where I saw the church in five years. And my answer was closer to Jesus. Are we? I think so. We've tried to emphasize how faith is not simply blind or emotional. We challenge believers to think and to know how to articulate what they believe. As far as attendance goes, we've grown gradually but substantially. I believe it's been a healthy growth. But I do believe that we're at a significant juncture. Where are we as a church? I believe we stand at the crossroads. And it's at the crossroads where wisdom calls out to us. It's at the fork in the road where God desires to speak to us. It's at the the place of decision where God implores us to listen, to hear, to heed His direction. In Proverbs verse 8, it says, Doth not wisdom cry, and understanding 
put forth her voice. She stands at the top of high places by the way in the place of the paths. She cries at the gates. Who cries? Wisdom cries. She cries at the gates, at the entry of the city, at the coming in, at the doors. Unto you, O men, I call. And my voice is to the sons of men. We've been averaging in recent weeks uh, about 240 people. We want to sustain that. And we want to, to build on that. Now the goal... Is, is not to be bigger. The goal is to be better. But I do believe a byproduct of being better is growth. Now some feel as though we're big enough. I'm here to tell you, we're not big enough. As long as there are unsaved, unchurched, unreached people in our community, then we're not big enough. We have to make room for more. Now I believe healthy growth starts as growing, starts with growing as individuals, growing as believers. We want to grow in our love for Jesus. We want to be better at, at expressing our love for Jesus in ways that are winsome and real to people who have yet to encounter Him. Isn't that what it's all about? We're focused on growing the believer and growing the congregation. I make no apology for wanting to get bigger. But I also know that in order to get bigger, we have to get better. But the fundamental reason I want the congregation to grow is because I think we have something to offer people. Now, of course, there are things that we can do better. We must improve our small group ministry. We need to be able to balance the gathering and the scattering. We need to be able to clearly outline how small group ministry and neighboring can best coexist. But we need small groups. Hear me. We need small groups to succeed. For that to happen, we need leaders and co-leaders and we need developing leaders and we need hosts and we need lots of attenders. We need you to buy in and commit to small groups. And again, there's a sign-up sheet out there for the Connect Group ministry that, that begins not this coming week, the week after. Next Sunday's the launch for that. We also need you to buy into the Sunday school hour. This is the meat and potatoes of the deal. Most of what I learned, and I say this often, most of what I learned, I didn't learn in here, I learned in the Sunday school class. And still today, I watch it work. The loudest, AM you heard, the loudest amen you just heard there was from Joshua Dick, who repeatedly talks about the role Sunday school plays in his development as a believer. And I'm enjoying watching Bo and Chantrice Rennie grow, and they tell me Sunday school is a major player in that. If you only come to the Sunday morning service, you're missing out on, on what 
and who we really are. Relationship and connection are imperative. The people who thrive are connected at a level beyond the Sunday morning service. Now maybe you've decided to follow Jesus. That's amazing. I don't know that we celebrate that enough. You made a decision somewhere along the line to follow Jesus. I mean, that's so amazing. That's, that's so excellent. And the, the Bible speaks of the angels rejoicing in heaven. You, you decided to follow Jesus. Praise God. You came to the fork in the road and you chose the right way. But now you stand at another crossroad. You're faced with another decision. One road says good enough. And the other road takes you deeper. This is where many turn back and follow him no more. Others load up. Others gird up and embrace the great adventure. When you look up the word disciple in the original language, part of the definition says this, one who enrolls. It speaks of that moment that you stand at the crossroad. No one can enroll for you. No one can, can uh, sign up for the connect groups for you. No one can attend the Sunday school classes for you. We can, we can exhort you. We can encourage you. We can create on-ramps, but we cannot sign up for you, and we cannot show up for you. We must do better at small groups. Growing and getting better also means embracing the spiritual disciplines. We're talking about things that we can do better as a church. I'm convinced that our success as a church will be in direct proportion to our prayer ministry. We may have computers and cell phones and Facebook and texting, but hear me, church, prayer is not outdated. In the end, prayer, not technology, will carry the day. In addition, we're talking about the spiritual disciplines. In in addition, we must be students of the Word. There is no shortcut to studying the Bible. There is no app that you can download and no way to get there without putting in time and effort. You cannot learn the Word of God without actually studying the Bible. Hebrews 11.6 reminds us that God is a rewarder of those who diligently seek Him. 1 Timothy 2.15 says that we're to study to show ourselves approved workmen who need not be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. To that end, we've emphasized the spiritual disciplines through an eight-week course that we call Take Five. To date, More than 40 of our people have taken the course. It exposes you to the disciplines of engagement and the disciplines of abstinence. It defines some terms, clarifies some Christian cliches, say that three times fast, and promotes spiritual formation. My hope, my prayer, my heart's desire is that over time, everyone who calls Central Assembly home will enroll in the Take 5 journey through the disciplines. We'll be starting a new group on March 17th. 
We can take up to seven at a time. If you're interested, talk to me. Now, as you can tell, I'm a big believer in small groups. I love the Sunday school hour where people come to learn and grow. Sunday school tends to be very informative while still comprising the elements that make small groups effective, like interaction, prayer, and personal connection, along with rich teaching. I don't think Christians should take an intellectual back seat to anybody. Next week, as a new quarter begins, we add that fourth adult elective. We want more people to take part. So, so we're making room for you by adding a fourth elective. The more people that come, the more fun it is. And the more opportunity there is to build relationships within the church. God will always do His part. Here's what we know. God will always do His part. Our goal is to do our part. We need to get better. I believe the result will be we will grow as individuals and we will grow as a church. So what are the keys to getting better? The keys to us getting better have nothing to do with the staff doing more. Not that we're overworked. There's more we can do. But we are not the key to us getting better. Let me put it this way. If we grow as a church, it won't be because the staff does more. It will be because you do more. The key to us growing is in your hands. As a staff, we must lead, but we can't do it. And the reality is, it's better if we don't. Part of the key is this idea of stepping up. You, you cannot thrive, and the church cannot thrive, until we, till we begin the journey of becoming the man, the woman, the student, the person that God has made us to be. And that means we must step up. We have, here's what I mean by that. We have helpers who could be teachers. We have ushers and parking lot greeters who could head up ministries. We have followers. We, we have leaders who are following. And people who, who are content to participate but have been called to be part of the creative process. We cannot, we cannot simply appease our conscience by doing something. We have to pursue the fullness of our potential and become everything that God has called us to be. In the parable of the sower, it's found in Matthew 13, the seed of the Word of God, the seed pictures the Word of God, and, and it's sown upon soils of, of various conditions that are reflected in the results. But some of the seed, the Bible says, falls on good soil. That's us, right? That's you and that's me. We're the, we're the good soil. But even within the good soil, the fertile ground of faith-inspired, faith-filled believers, there are degrees of success. 
In Matthew 13, 8, it says, But some of the seed fell into good ground, and it brought forth fruit, some a hundredfold, some sixtyfold, and some thirty. You're the good soil. But some only bring forth thirtyfold. You could be bringing forth sixty or a hundredfold. I believe, church, that we need our young men to step up. I'll tell you, we have amazing young men here. Many are involved in the church. Many are involved in the work of the Lord. There's pastors who would give anything to have the young men that we have here. But I believe this is a key area of involvement where we could see a significant move. We need our young men to model what a Christian man looks like for our children. We need our young men to model what a Christian man looks like for our teens. We need young men to be involved in in ministry and leading connect groups and, and preparing for the day when the church is literally in your hands. That verse in Proverbs 8 said, Unto you, O men, I call. And under the sons of men. We need young men to serve in children's ministry. We need young men to serve in our youth ministry. And I tell you, this is the youth ministry is a growing area where we need help. What a privilege it is to work with teenagers. I did it for years. Kareen did it for years. And there's absolutely, positively nothing like it. We need families that will allow dad to minister. Moms who are willing to carry more of the load on the home front so dad can go to his meeting, so dad can work at church, so dad can teach his class or meet with a potential believer or disciple a new one. We need men. We need men whose purpose in life is at any cost to be a disciple of Jesus. But not all are willing. From that time, many went back and walked with him no more. In the Take 5 classes, we learn that a disciple is someone who systematically and progressively rearranges their life around becoming like Jesus. Is this, does that describe where you are today? Or are you trying to fit Jesus into what you have going? Many have put discipleship on hold while they raise their families. Let that sink in for a moment. On another front, I think neighboring is part of us getting better. We made neighboring a seven-part series last fall. It's our theme for this year, 2018. We will bring it up on a regular basis, perhaps every season of the year. Matt will be preaching on neighboring in March, and the Freedom Rally will be built around the neighboring theme as well. 
The Like a Good Neighbor Facebook group is still available. On there, you can find ideas for neighboring and you can also share your ideas. Jamie Brown posted about a, a little instance of neighboring in recent days where her and her roommates went and shoveled the neighbor lady across the alley out. And she tells a great story. That's what neighboring's all about. And we need to allow you time to do that. We need to allow you time to neighbor. If we're having events and studies and gatherings at the church all the time, then we're keeping you from neighboring. Remember, neighboring is more about the scattering than it is the gathering. Now that's part of our motivation behind the limited connect group schedule. Now I believe we've yet to strike the perfect balance. There are things we can do better. But the real key to us getting better is is somewhere outside of all of that. I believe we need an awakening of some sort. We've fallen into a malaise. Things are going well. The country's prosperous. We have everything we need and and more. And the church is, is doing well too. We have no crisis to endure, no struggles to deal with, no adversity to drive us to our knees. We're comfortable. We're good. But we're not motivated. It's as if we look at Jesus and say, we want just enough of you to secure our place in heaven. But don't expect me to rearrange my life around you. Just stay close in case I need you. And I'll see you in heaven. If the goal is to survive then we can get by with the same few. If we want to thrive, if we really want to make a difference, then we need everyone. Sometimes it seems we lack purpose. Or maybe maybe it's focus. We live as though we don't know why we're here. Again, let me clarify. The church has a, has a threefold purpose. We exist. Why are we here? Why do we exist? We exist to glorify God. We exist to equip the saints. That's what Sunday school, connect group, take five, that's what those things are all about. It's all about equipping the saints. So we're here to glorify God. We're here to equip the saints. And third, we're here to reach the lost. We are here to share our story to connect others with God's story. Now the true church, the remnant, shall never surrender to the ways of the world. That's the true church. But we want to be absolutely, positively the best that we can be. We want to do what we do with excellence. But my confidence is not in in me and what we do. My confidence is not found in the assemblies of God or in what you bring to the table. My confidence is in the one who died for the church and the one who died for us. He's the one who birthed the mission. And it's not a mission created to give the church something to do. It's not a mission for the church. In fact, he created the church for the mission. 
the all-important mission of reaching the world, reaching our nation, reaching our city, reaching our community, reaching our neighborhood, reaching our family for Christ. And that will require something of each of us. We will have to serve sacrificially. We will have to give sacrificially. And maybe, maybe even let go of some of our preferences for the sake of the whole. After all, we aren't a social club where we hang out for a good time. We're here to try to reach the lost. The struggle will go on. And eventually, God will win. I've read the end of the book. I know how this all turns out. But the question is, will you be part of the process? Will you be a contributor to the cause? Will you be among those who have given it all for Jesus? Will you be counted among those who have systematically and progressively rearranged their life around becoming like Jesus? Billy Graham died on Wednesday. Do you think he has any regrets now? Do you think Billy Graham has any regrets now? Do you think he wishes he would have went on more trips? Do you think he, he would have bought nicer cars or went out to eat more or watched more TV? My hunch is that he's wishing that he had more to give to the work of the kingdom. Today, we stand at a crossroad. You made a decision to follow Jesus. Praise God. How amazing is that? But now, more is being asked of you. If we're going to be better, then we need more of your time. If we're going to be better, we need more of your money. We need more blood, more sweat, more tears, more prayer, more effort, more investment. We stand at a crossroad. You stand at a crossroad. Some will go back and follow no more. But others, others will dig in and step up and begin the journey forward. We stand at the crossroads. So let me ask of you, is it worth it to serve Jesus? It's the proverbial fork in the road. Many abandoned Jesus, but Peter spoke up for the twelve. Lord, to whom shall we go? For you have the words of eternal life. Would you bow your head with me? It's an interesting Sunday. While your head is bowed and, and, and you're just kind of giving me your attention and kind of closing your world off, giving privacy to your neighbor, it's an interesting Sunday. You had every reason not to be here. You're here for a reason. I believe God wants to speak to you. And, and so I guess there's a couple of, of uh, 
aspects to that today. First and foremost, you need to know Jesus as your Lord and Savior. If you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, forget the rest of the message. (laughs) It's all about this. It's all about giving your life to Him. Maybe you think that you're good enough on your own. Well, let me tell you, you're not. I'm not. On my best day, I fall short. The good news is that Jesus came to die for your sin. That's what the word gospel means. It means good news. And the good news of the gospel is Jesus came 2,000 years ago. He led a perfect life. And he became the sacrifice for our sins. And so John 1.12 says, To as many as receive him, he gives the power to become a child of God. Think about that. Now what that means is, is you weren't born a child of God. You become a child of God when you receive him. So that's my offer to you today is to receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior. It doesn't mean you're joining the church. It means that you're asking Jesus into your life. You're giving your life to him. You're saying, Jesus, change me from the inside out. The Bible uses the term born again. It says, unless a man is born again, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. There's one doorway into your spirit and the will stands guard. And so it takes that decision by you that we talked about, that first decision, to say, Lord, I want you to to renew my spirit. I want you to regenerate my spirit. I I was born physically. Now I want to be born again, spiritual. If that's you today, you want Jesus to forgive your sins, And I'm just going to ask you to slip up your hand. By slipping up your hand, you're just saying, Tom, I want to receive Jesus as my Lord and Savior. If that's you today, slip up your hand so I can can see it. I see two hands over on this side. God bless you guys, both of you. I see those hands. Anyone else today? I see a third hand over here. Thank you, young lady. Someone else? You need Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Praise God. Praise God. Hey, church. We had three people respond. Let's give the Lord praise today. Lord, thank you, God. Thank you. Thank you, Lord, for what you're doing in the hearts of, of those who, who, who are here today. And then, and then I have another challenge for you. It's that you would step up. It's that you would become all that you're called to be. Don't settle. Don't settle for participation. Choose to step up to the level that God has called you to serve. Listen, there's helpers that could be teachers. Step up, become all that you can be for him. Lord, I, I pray.